Geek Top 5 Season 5 I'm so happy you're here. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> this is so exciting. Geek Top 5. I'm Jesse. I'm Graham. And we are back for part two of our Holy Crap Microsoft Bought Activision Blizzard special. Tune into the last episode if you haven't, because it's a guess, but not because it's really required reading for this. Um, we went into this it, trying to elaborate on how big a deal this is by highlighting some of the best of the best that are now directly under the control of Big MS. Then um, now we finally have a chance to talk about the deal. Why did we do it in that order? Uh, because this is a big deal and we wanted to get a little bit of extra expertise on it. We have brought some special guests to the virtual studio with us today. We have Lucas Rizzoli, a video game industry uh, personality, I guess, currently a researcher for electronic arts. Hi, Lucas. Hi, it's me. And to be clear, nothing you say here will be, you know, held against EA or any other current or former employers of you. Yeah, uh, all all opinions and mistakes are my own. <laughs> and also joining us is our regular video game contributor. He's a video game lunatic and a Game Pass subscriber, Shaggy Shanahan. Hello, Graham, Jesse. As an expert on all things corporate buyouts <laughs> and acquisitions, I am excited to be here to talk about this very topic. Finally a chance to use your economics degree, right? <laughs> Get ready for big words like stock plummet teams and <laughs> rampant speculations. I can't wait. We are no stranger to rampant speculation on this show. So... To lead us in, a quick review for those of you who maybe skipped the last episode or don't pay as much attention to this kind of news as us dweebs, Microsoft officially announced they've acquired Activision Blizzard, the former darling of the game, well, maybe half of them, former darling of the game industry, for a ludicrous payout of $68.7 billion all in cash. They have scooped up a ton of the video game world's biggest IPs, biggest franchises, and uh, based on past behavior, it seems pretty clear that they plan to lock those franchises down to their own uh, their own ecosystem, uh, consisting of their Xbox, PC gaming, and of course their Game Pass thing, leaving their competition in the form of Sony and I guess Electronic Arts is semi out there, or is that a Tencent thing? I don't know how far that goes up. But leaving them out in the cold for a lot of big names that used to be there. Names like Warcraft, names like, like well, a lot, of, a lot of crafts, but also like Call of Duty, also Candy Crush, those kinds of things. All now under the, the formerly Gates umbrella. So I guess the first thing to to dig into is... Holy crap, like all our favorite franchises and games from our childhood, are we going to be changing our gaming habits? Like, are we following them all to Microsoft? Um, I don't know. I mean, do you guys, do, does anyone here, and Jaggy, you, you subscribe to Xbox Game Pass, so presumably you have an Xbox. <laughs> Unfortunately, yes. Yeah, uh, okay. For, not, not, not for a negative reason, but I just, just, I just seem to be the like only one I know who actually went Xbox. Everyone else went uh, PS. For that generation, PS5. Oh my, yeah, yeah, same here. So I was also one of the, the people that bought an Xbox One before getting a PlayStation. So yeah. um, it's weird that, uh, let's say, like six or seven years later, you're like, aha, I knew it. I was, <laughs> I I was wrong. Right. Yeah, I was here first. Yeah. <laughs> it finally and, paid off. I didn't finally, think about yeah, that. This, this, uh, this Xbox One is finally worth, uh, worth yeah. turning on for something, yeah. Well, yeah, and, and if you go back to our, you know, our, our Halo 5, our Halo Infinite episode, you can see why I was kind of tripping, the trepidation in my voice, because the Xbox One had a rough, rough start for a lot of reasons, of course. Uh, and, you know, it, it, you know, like a lot of those consoles, they do turn around and it's a, you know, a solid system. Um, if you're looking for exclusives and stuff, I feel like perhaps Sony did have the better, like, you know, first party exclusives. But as far as just like online multiplayer, like Xbox had it all and it all worked out in the end, I'm sure. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Although I think it's kind of funny that like um to me this this like this purchase seems like of a part with their way of compensating for how the Xbox 360 kind of flubbed it with the Xbox 1. You know what I mean? Mm. Like the Xbox 1 didn't really take off uh I think in part because 
they sold it in the wrong way. They wanted it to be like to control your TV and everything. Whereas Sony was just like, yo, it plays games. Like, yeah, you don't have to be online and it plays games. Yeah, that was their famous reveal, right? Both the consoles got announced within days of each other. Xbox One was like, this is going to be the box in your house now. It's going to do everything. And people were real nervous. And Sony very clearly changed their presentation Mm. to say, this one plays video games. Yeah, yeah. Also, had, like, if you remember, there was a, a, a fear at the time, because they were going to do this, that they said, like, the connect had to be, like, mandatory. Like, it had to always be listening and, you know, so you could talk yeah. to it. And, yeah, and that's one of the reasons why a lot of people didn't want to get it, because, like, well, I don't want to leave this always-on camera microphone when I'm playing my video games, so screw this. Yeah, and it was, it was also, um, when they announced it, it was always online. So I was like, not only was it always online, uh, but you'd have this thing like smelling your bones every time you logged in. <laughs> yeah. And it was, uh, I don't know, it was, a, it was a, a bridge too far. And I think that like um, a lot of what Microsoft has been doing with Xbox since around like 2015, 2016 is trying to make up for the fact that, you know, the Xbox 360 before the Xbox One was the console that, at least in North America, um, really took off and made tons of money. And that was the period mm-hmm. in which like, um, some of Activision's biggest successes, like Call of Duty, really took off. Like they took off thanks to the 360, largely, right? Huge um, install base, and yeah, compared to the PS3, it was it, it was the console to own. All the coolest stuff came out for it. It uh, yeah, I mean that that's what led to the logical, or well, seemingly logical decision to upgrade to an Xbox One, right? Is that like everybody had at least one 360? Shaggy, you had at least two. At all times. <laughs> somehow, I don't even remember, like, getting them. I just ended up with them somehow. So, because, but, and it, again, because this was, you know, the, the PKLO multiplayer, LAN was still a thing back then, too, which was nice. So, you know, the it was the system that kind of did everything for, like, online. Like, you know, even going back to the original Xbox, it kind of established North America's version of online gaming for consoles, mm-hmm. uh, which they kind of, you know, kept that template. And then Sony was trying to catch up to that. Uh, and it worked really well in 360, but yeah, it just kind of all because their focus shifts so much. This multimedia hub console that does everything, it kind of forgot about games. Yeah, which yeah. was the big deal with like Xbox Live Arcade and games, uh, Summer of Arcade and all that stuff. It was all just you know games, 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 and then it was just they're talking about everything except that. Yep. Yeah, and and I think that like the Connect was part of that too, right? Like that was that was kind of around the time that like already a lot of like older developers and and stuff like that like people who had made pc games in the 90s had all made a big deal of moving to facebook or moving to phones and the wii uh was a huge success and so microsoft is catching up with uh with connect to do that Mm. stuff so i feel i feel like they, they kind of flubbed it with the xbox one and and a lot of the things that they've done in the years since then have been um trying to reestablish the xbox as a place that plays games and not a place that is like uh, you plug your TV in, and it has a TV Guide app or whatever, you know. Yeah. Um, and so, and so, I think that I think that this is now like maybe I'm reaching a bit too far back, but that seems like it culminates in you know buying out uh, Bethesda, like the company that made all the games that also succeeded on the 360, like Oblivion and Fallout 3, um, and then now buying Activision and basically buying Call of Duty. Yeah, and and what's kind of interesting with like kind of the lead up to that is if we you know we were talking about that previous E3 was all about it's all the home media console, uh, then like the most recent actual in person E3 I don't know if it was like 2019 it was all about they're just talking about their acquisitions it's like we got uh we got like uh, the guys who do uh, Double Fine we've got this company we have got that company and it, it was kind of like leading up to this in a way if you think about it because they're just showing off that they own every company now versus like yeah. So yeah, they couldn't do it themselves, so they bought the competition, I guess. I mean, remember, I mean, ZeniMax Bethesda, that was just a year ago. It seems like longer. But, I mean, I think it is what, six or seven years ago where they bought the, the Minecraft studio, Mojang. Yeah. Hmm. And uh, like, Minecraft is such a huge name, and it's playable on everything. Like, that's one of those changed video games all over the world titles, and they swooped on that. Yep. But it, yep. but they did still keep it multi-platform. They didn't say like it's just ours now. <laughs> so it is on the Switch. It is on you know, PlayStation stuff, right? So it's like that could at least you know uh, alleviate some of the fears that they're like we're going to all lose Call of Duty. And they even said recently they're like no no you guys will still give you Call of Duty for the next few years maybe. Well, what they said <laughs> is that they're going to honor existing agreements. Yeah. <laughs> 
I mean, I think I think that that also that honoring existing agreements is also why they came out and said that uh, their CEO Bobby Kotick, um, of which there's quite a bit of controversy and things to talk about, I'm sure. Um, but like that, that he would stay on is kind of like when you announce that that you're buying out the company, you can't then in the same breath go and we're canceling all the deals and everybody's getting fired and uh, everyone has to uh, come in wearing Microsoft T-shirts starting tomorrow, right? So well, I think you that it'll, it'll still announce take, that. But... I mean, yeah, exactly. It, <laughs> I, I think it'll take like at least two to three years for Microsoft actually to. Um, affect major changes like that. And so everything that they've promised is already in the scope of like the two, three years it will take for the merger to complete and all that. So, so who knows? They have full control. They might be shutting the doors. That's, that's what happened with Starfield that um, the space elder scrolls game that Bethesda was making when that deal went through Microsoft bought it and said, well, no pre-existing agreement for this. Yep. This Mm -hmm. is exclusive to us. You don't get this on PlayStation anymore. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. And and that's also just like the nature of a lot of like big acquisitions anyway. Like projects and stuff will also get canceled. Studios will be you know destroyed because it's like uh, even like with a lot of the stuff that Disney was buying out, it's like Blue Sky and all these like uh, other animation studios. And then like films that were like in production just got canceled and shut down because it wasn't Disney's project anymore, or it never was their project in the first place. There's like why should we continue this? So that's another one of the big concerns where it's like we're going to lose some stuff that was like in the works from some of the smaller studios. I mean, sorry, do you mean smaller studios that are in Activision Blizzard or? Oh, like, well, there there was like groups and groups and groups on the way down. Like, I, I forgot all the names of the lists. Um, but it was like uh, projects that are in development can often just get shuttered amidst these kind of acquisitions. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it it uh, makes you kind of wonder how people who are still working at Active Blizzard are are feeling about it, right? Because um, their circumstances weren't weren't super great uh, <laughs> for a while, but like this has definitely definitely changed things, right? Do we know like when Activision and Blizzard merged? Do we know how closely the studios became tied? Like were were they connected in name only, or were like the Activision people and the Blizzard people mixed together? I don't know how any of this stuff works when you get right into the the nitty gritty of it. Like I, I understand that it's all owned by the same parent company and the parent company has merged names, but was blizzard still developing blizzard stuff and Activision still developing Activision stuff. And it, they were kept kind of separate. I, I wasn't there. I don't know. But um, from, from what I understand the point at which um, Activision and blizzard merged was actually when um, Vivendi games and Activision merged. So Vivendi was like a, is a really large uh, French media company that owned Vivendi Games, which owned Sierra, um, you know, that did all those old adventure games and, and actually published the disc version of Half-Life um, hmm. and owned Blizzard, which they had bought. It, it, that's a whole other mess. And there's actually a really good article about how Sierra and Blizzard ended up being owned by the company that made uh, Math Blaster or whatever. But um, <laughs> and but, the incredible machine. Yeah, exactly. So, so actually, Activision and Blizzard um, were became Vivendi Games for a while, and then it was only I think in like 2012 or so that um, Activision kind of paid its way out from under Vivendi and took Blizzard with it. Um, but in oh, man. in in that stuff interim, is so complicated. Oh yeah, sorry, I, I didn't mean to get into businessy stuff. But in in that <laughs> interim, there's lots of there there are lots of occasions in which um, stories came out about. How because um, uh, Bobby Kotick and Activision um, kind of took charge of the Vivendi Games group, right? And so they shut down Sierra. So, like Shaggy was saying, a whole bunch of Sierra games that were going to be published or developed just dropped out, um, including um, I think Brutal Legend, the the one from uh, oh, Jack Black, Tim Schafer, and yeah. Mm. yeah, yeah. So that one was going to be published by Sierra Vivendi, and then Bobby Kotick came in with Activision. And we're like, nah, and it fell to EA. Um, mm. but then, um, there were stories like 2008, uh, 2009, around the time of Diablo three, uh, stories of like people who would go to the, the blizzard offices and in one of the, the big open rooms of developers, there was like a, a concrete pillar that held up the ceiling that someone had painted entirely black and just pasted pictures of Bobby Kotick and like drawn mustaches and horns on him and stuff. So, um, definitely there was, there, they were feeling some of the influence of being under his management even before they broke up from Vivendi. So, yeah, I think the, like the perception, like Blizzard has always had a really weird special place in, 
I mean, like, look, they called it Activision Blizzard, and Blizzard is a subsidiary of a subsidiary of a subsidiary, but gamers recognize that name, right? The brand mm. recognition for them in the 90s was so strong. They made mm. the world's best computer games, like, hands down. <laughs> you know, they, they changed the world several times with their own products. Um, it, the stories to be believed over the year, it's that, yeah, that they... Management stepped in on top, and then a lot of the big names, like the founders and the the like, the folks who made the Blizzard games we all loved, eventually rotated out, and more and more new folks got rotated in, and then things got contracted out. That's what happened with the Warcraft Three Reforged thing; like it barely happened in studio, and not much of Blizzard is really left in the last couple of years, or at least what you know what the ingredients were to that core of Blizzard. Sure, sure. I mean, uh, you know, World of Warcraft was what, 2005, 2004 that it came out, something like that. So yeah, 2004. It, it, yeah, I think I think it's been almost 20 years since uh, since sort of like that last that last bit of the, the blizzard that, that came up through Warcraft and Starcraft. And so it's 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 a long time. And, and they've been like merged and moved around a lot. Um, but I do think that like what you're saying that kind of aura or that special place that they have in in sort of like the the nostalgic memory of a lot of gamers like particularly i, th- I think you guys even didn't you call out warcraft 2 in your list of the top five activision blizzard games absolutely was our yeah. number yeah. two jointly. yeah i mean you know like that that level of, of reverence that you have for like a brand or a studio even if the the, the team keeps switching through right it's kind of like a sports team it's like, well, they did so well in the past. I'm really attached to that. So it doesn't matter that like all the programmers are different now. Like I still believe in them. Um, the like let them kind of survive for a long time as Blizzard, right? Like like you pointed out, they're they're a subsidiary of a subsidiary, and they were bought and owned by different companies for like 20, 30 years, but still kept their name. Um, you know, and, and I think uh, I forget if you guys remember when um, Blizzard changed the name of the BattleNet launcher to the Blizzard launcher. Um, oh, I don't remember that sticking for very long. Exactly. And and then it came back to Battle.net. Um, and then uh, soon afterward, it had to also start selling you Call of Duty for PC. Uh, and Destiny, too, right? Yes, I remember when Destiny showed up on there. That yeah. was bizarre. Yeah. So so I wonder, I wonder the extent to which that name change came about because Blizzard felt embattled by Activision pushing it to do things a certain way or to put Call of Duty on their launcher. And they were like, no, we're going to call it the Blizzard launcher. Like, just to make sure that everyone knows it's just Blizzard stuff that gets on there. Uh, and it didn't stick. And they had, to, they had to go back on it. And then they had to start, um, you know, putting Destiny on there and so on. So, you know, I think, I think you're right that it has a lot of that cachet. And, and that's a lot of what makes, makes it valuable as a company and, and valuable as a piece of video game history. But I really do wonder the extent to which it's still... Um, can earn that kind of of, of respect and, and yeah. maintain it, especially, you know, under Activision and now potentially under Microsoft. Well, and that's the thing. And we're, I mean, I think it's time to segue into a bit of an uncomfortable topic, but I mean, a big thing that's come up about this deal is exactly, is the condition Activision Blizzard is in at the moment. And if Microsoft can clean it up, uh, we're getting at like that cache act that, Blizzard had has been pretty much spent and there's been a lot of bad news coming out of Activision Blizzard for a long time. I'm not even sure we could be here an hour just summarizing it, but to down to a couple of sentences, it is a ton of controversies and lawsuits uh, regarding corporate culture and specifically Bobby Kotick, the CEO, by far the highest paid CEO in the industry. Um, they they were sued by the state of California, uh, essentially saying that as a result of promoting a culture of constant sexual harassment. Uh, and as part of this, apparently somewhere between 40 and 50 Blizzard employees, like higher up, have exited the company since July. Uh, and there has been a Many, many corpo talk statements from you know, Blizzard management saying, for sure, we're going to fix this, immediately followed by anonymous sources talking to the media saying they aren't doing a damn thing and we hate working here and they're treating us terribly. <laughs> Please help us. So <laughs> is this, I mean, let's, I guess it is 
is part of this deal that this is sort of the only way out for Activision Blizzard. And it would they even have been approachable by Microsoft if they weren't in this bad shape? And can Microsoft clean it up somehow? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I sure hope yeah, so. Right? <laughs> Where to start with all this? It is is Microsoft squeaky clean in its own right? I mean, it doesn't... I feel like with these companies, as they get bigger and bigger, it's harder to maintain. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy, but it's like it, it feels like the more companies that are owned by this one overarching brand or, you know, master corporation, the harder it is to maintain that level of quality of quality. sounds like the wrong word, but that that the strength of their HR, the strength of their their uh, the the commitment to a safe work environment it's harder to maintain that the further down the chain you get so how much can they do well the question is how much of this is part of i mean what is very traditionally a bro culture that for sure needs overhauling but also how much of it is directly the result of bad behavior by specific people that is not being addressed right I think I think that um, and, and there's there's another aspect too. So there's you're right that there is both the like the bad apples approach where um, potentially the the bad apples go all the way to the top, uh, and so um, that you know you could you could people have been fired and removed from there. There's still ongoing um, litigation from the the labor board of California or whatever it's called, um, and and yeah maybe removing Bobby Kotick who himself is has been alleged to have been abusive, uh, particularly of, of like women and so on and so forth, might might change it from the perspective of getting rid of bad apples. Um, there's also the cultural thing, right? So like um, if, if the organization has operated that that long, how much longer will it take to actually shift it around? And, and what aspects of working there and understanding what it means to work there need to change? Um, I think there's, there's another aspect too, which is um, that the labor conditions haven't been great either. So um, in addition to all the sexual abuse scandals at Blizzard and at some of the studios that are owned by Activision, uh, one of the studios, Raven Software, which as an aside, is another one that that has a lot of history. Um, so like right now, um, what happened is that a lot of the, the quality assurance testers at Raven um, staged a walkout because of labor conditions. So not, not just because of the, the sort of like abuse and, and toxic culture, um, but because they just weren't being paid and they were being fired arbitrarily. And um, they successfully organized and unionized very recently and asked Activision to voluntarily recognize their union, um, which they haven't done. So uh, in addition to all that, there's also the potential of like, hey, what are labor conditions going to be like at these studios? And what will Microsoft do? Um, will it be uh, tolerant of unionized labor in their, uh, in their company or not? Yeah, so far the answer is no. I was reading that a lot of those <laughs> recently unionized Ra like Raven employees, there's been a major re like reorganization of the org chart there, and just coincidentally happens to spread the unionized members all over the company into different departments. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, but like so, the week after they've asked to be their union to be recognized by the company. So yeah, so when we talk about the cachet and the respect and the I'm going to go out and say reverence that people had for a company, which sounds really stupid as an adult, but you know when you th <laughs> like the people who made Warcraft, you know, like the right, like it's really hard to reconcile that with the real world right now, and. Darn if this is going to date me, but like when we were growing up, a lot of these video game places were the, it was, you know, three guys in a garage, that kind of thing. Like, you know, like they gave the impression of these really down to earth at home studios and people recognized the names of these game developers. You know, Sid Meier's name is still on the front of civilization. Mm hmm. Like, but that culture seems like it no longer exists, and it seems like these places are still trying to buy into that mystique. But enough people work there now to sort of point to the, like, you know, pay attention to the man behind the curtain. There's other examples too, like uh, there's uh, I forget the name of the individual, but they're talking about the like Bioware magic, which was a term that kept getting thrown around for like Bioware will just figure it out and make it work, and like that term has also been kind of like. 
the, the recent article was just like Bioware magic is bullshit and I'll tell you why. And it's just all about how uh, some of the, the recent titles and the work conditions of what was it? Was it Anthem and Anthem's um, the big one they blew. and and uh, Mass Effect uh, and Andromeda are and how like they were forced to use certain engines that weren't optimized for this type of game and the work conditions and the director like directors turning over rate like three directors show up and leave and different writers and it's it's the the mystique is kind of finally falling for like a lot of, I'm not saying this out like any like joy or anything because there are people online <laughs> who are like finally Bioware fell you know I'm, I'm just like it's kind of a lot of these legacy companies that have like persisted to exist, the 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 spark that people thought they had, it's just kind of like now crunch culture has kind of replaced it. Or you know, I'm not going to say if it was always there or wasn't, but it's just like they're still riding on this. Like we'll get it done because you know you remember us, right? And you know, whether gamers in general are seen and acknowledging this, that they'd have to kind of really be into the weeds of it, like you know, reading the articles and following you know, what's going on in the news. Cause there are still a, a huge portion of people who like, don't care about any of these, you know, uh, lawsuits or accusations. They just want to play their games. Uh, so like as, as long as the game release and works online, they don't care who's being hurt in the process, which is unfortunate. Yeah. I, 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 I'd both like to give uh, people who consider themselves gamers a little bit more credit and a little less as well. So, <laughs> and, and, and this is this is what I mean. It's great. If people didn't play the games, if people didn't enjoy it, um, people wouldn't make them, right? And, and the people who make them for the most, most part really do enjoy it. I think that when it comes to um, this news and, and trying to reconcile the fact that maybe for decades, the, the people that have been making this have been really hurt by the process of making it, um, hmm. I think I think speaks both to hey things need to get better and two um, people don't do this for the like the developers that are that are being crunched and all that stuff they do it because they love it they don't do it like despite the working conditions right um, and and as as like as someone who likes playing games too um, I just I just feel like you know uh, hearing about all this stuff you should never really say uh, or or reasonably uh, imagine that there is such a thing as a lazy dev. You know what I mean? Like these people are working really hard and often in conditions that are really rough because they love what they do and they love making this stuff uh, mm. because they love playing it, right? And um, and that was actually one of the, one of the conflicts that uh, people kind of came into because like a lot of uh, the, the fans want to like boycott certain games, but the devs are at the same time like, please, like we we've worked on this, don't like don't stop playing, uh, just help us, you know, get the word out and like help our situation, but like don't boycott the game. We put a lot of like effort and uh, heart into it. Yeah, and I think I think you know, depending on the circumstances, the boycott might be what's called for. But but ultimately, the um, and far be it for me to say what people should or shouldn't do. But I think that supporting um, developers and and their efforts to try to make it a better place, or or to break out and found new places to make games that uh, that can be made in a way that doesn't hurt people, that doesn't encourage toxicity and abuse and and all that stuff. That's mm. that's probably the best way to go, right? Um, but. Hey, here I am. Here I am writing a Hallmark card. Let's let's talk about <laughs> <the> games. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, so yeah, tough stuff. I think it's important to keep in mind, which is why I wanted to bring it up because mm. you know we talk about I mean, we, we talk about all this. We keep it in mind, but I mean, I like I, I still love Warcraft. Like I still wish they would make another Warcraft game, and I would probably buy it if they did. But by the same token, like it was like I I very deliberately uninstalled my Blizzard games and my Blizzard launcher after the Hong Kong thing. So, mm, right. What was the Hong Kong thing? They right when the Freedom for Hong Kong thing was really big, um, a someone who was playing in one of their tournaments, I think it was Hearthstone, but it mm-hmm. might have been StarCraft, uh, went on a show and was doing an interview, and he like did, it, remember they had their like it was the six sentences or something it was the like, the six demands I think mm-hmm. were the way they mm-hmm. phrased it, and he did it live on the show, and Blizzard has a huge investment in their audience in China, so. Blizzard's response to the situation was to kick him out of the tournament, uh, deny him the prize money he'd already won, shut down the show that was interviewing him, and then publicly apologize to China for the grave insult of this guy wanting freedom for his country. I do remember that now. Didn't they sort of backtrack on and give the money to him or something like that? Wasn't there... Didn't they have to, like... 
didn't they didn't their apology sort of end up having to spark an apology to the rest of the world i mean at that point does it matter i i don't know i mean it at least makes you feel like calling them out on that had some benefit if the guy at least got his money i mean at the end of the day the only thing i was really playing from blizzard at that point anyway was heroes of the storm which was not great at that point anyway it's not as dramatic a statement as i wanted to seem i think so you know, it wasn't it's like it was an easy boycott you know it's like boycotting mcdonald's after you you're when you're a vegan you know it's like it's not that hard a, a commitment i don't know i don't know if i could boycott mcdonald's those if you were a vegan if you were a vegan <laughs> uh well i is the coffee vegan i don't know is it fair trade at least? Uh, anyway, oh, different. No, you're show. gonna make me check now. Oh no, <laughs> <laughs> that's another list we got coming up. We gotta we gotta get a vegan on here, and we gotta get some McDonald's folks on here. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that like, um, and 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 part of part of what's interesting about you bringing that up is part of what's interesting. There are lots of interesting things to talk about, but it's like when we're talking about um, the the respect with which we hold these games, like, and even in your list of the top five, um, it's not surprising to to realize that a vast majority of these games kind of came out before 2005 2008 like um and that really the video game industry has has grown so big and and so huge that now the company that uh made the game where if you click on the orc a lot they say dog and stop poking me <laughs> is now known for like um what is its stance on this major geopolitical issue of the time you know like right. um and, and, <laughs> it's a big and, difference yeah and and the fact that like microsoft has just bought the the giant corporate entity for like as much money as the us treasury paid paid for aig in 2008 like that's massive that's huge um and so i think it speaks to not just not just what they're what they're buying, like that legacy, and and what it means for people who are are devoted to that legacy and those games and those those franchises, but also just as like a stark reminder of like how huge this business is, and 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 how it's changed so much. It's it's funny you say that just uh, in in like how much they paid, and it's like they paid what you said the, uh, more than like what the U.S. government paid for AIG, and they paid for that when Blizzard and Activision are at like a down point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, what if this had been two years ago? I mentioned this in part one, but let me just do it again. I just want everybody and everyone listening to picture this. This is a million dollars, a thousand times, 69 times. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> nice yeah, a million too. times yeah. yeah that's the sex number so that's hilarious <laughs> but also but also that's like yeah. i'm just saying that that is a catastrophic amount of money to be controlled by a single entity and they're spending it on video games and and i think i think it's like um it's also very similar to the amount that disney paid for fox right so if, if you think of it like buying candy crush call of duty and uh Diablo uh, is basically cost as much as buying Simpsons and uh, whatever else Fox owns. <laughs> <laughs> the Aliens franchise and Predator and uh, Bob's Burgers. Yeah. So it's like, it's, it's pretty, like, I remember when um, ZeniMax bought id Software, like the, and, and uh, I think John Romero, like famous game designer, I, I don't know if, if I need to explain. He's Mr. He Doom. Yeah, he's Mr. Doom. Um, just wrote on Twitter that like Fallout bought Doom, and it was it was boggling to think of it in those ways, right? Um, and now Microsoft owns Doom, uh, whereas in 1995, uh, Bill Gates supposedly got very jealous that there were more installs of Doom shareware than there were of Windows. Um, <laughs> you know, so it's yeah, how far we've come. Yeah. So I did want to segue out. I think that's a good way to do it. Let's keep talking about these games specifically. And even more specifically, I want to talk a bit about Game Pass, because this is definitely the standout for what Microsoft's plans for gaming is in the future. And it's also what is either completely missing or just not up to snuff with its competitors. Game Pass is essentially Netflix for video games. And like Netflix, it doesn't really seem to make a lot of sense until you realize just how much you can play on there. And the Zenimax Bethesda purchase, like that was a like that's a big deal. Now you could play Fallout on there. Now you could play, you know, the forty seven three release of Skyrim on there. Mm-hmm. 
But now that Blizzard stuff is on there, I I have to start thinking about a subscription, but I wasn't even sure where to get started. So I know both of you guys have experience with this. Tell us a little bit about Game Pass and how it works. So Game Game Pass, in in my perspective, you know, you're uh you you've beaten a single player game and you're like, man, what should I start now? And then you open up to a wealth of options that are very overwhelming. And sometimes it's almost too much to pick from. Um, so the way it works is you basically just open up it and it's, you can pick by genre, pick by title, pick by system. Cause they even go back to, uh, the original Xbox actually. So that's how I played, uh, uh Psychonauts recently. Cause they do have like a row of like three classic Xbox or like four classic <laughs> Xbox games. You can finally go back and try again. Um, so and- Psychonauts, Halo 1. Oh, and Fusion maybe- Frenzy. Yeah. Okay. Y'all remember yeah. Fusion Frenzy, right? Bumper balls or their version of it. Heck yeah. Uh, <laughs> it, but it was more like metal. It's like cool Mario Party. It was um, very 2001 for sure. <laughs> it was like when they made Bomberman cool again. It's like dark Bomberman and blood. Oh, that was like, awful. Wow. That one. Yeah. What um, if Bomberman but corn? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you can go back to a lot of classic 360 games and then a lot of uh, going back to the announcement of like when they were acquiring all these other studios, a lot of their day one titles going, you know, uh, uh, Psychonauts 2 was released as soon as it was released uh, for everyone else on Game Pass. The one hang-up, though, which is, I guess, similar to Netflix, is, like, things won't always be there. So there, there's some games that are there for a long time. Like, say, the Yakuza series has been there for a good while, but now they're, like, starting to disappear because it's like, all right, we've done our deal, our uh, six months or half year or two-year deal, whichever it is. So there is an actual section that says leaving soon, with like a sad face or a, it's, it's a broken heart is the actual icon being like, you didn't play this yet. <laughs> and so you go in there desperate for the last month to like play that one random game that you never heard of. But it's like the, the, the benefit of all is you could find a lot of gems that you've never would have uh, maybe seen at the store or picked up normally, but you'll like it engrossed in a title you may have not normally looked for. And that's one of the best things of the game pass experience. I feel is just, you know, you, you didn't drop a whole 60 to a hundred dollars, on that one individual thing, but you could still play it through uh, if you'd like, or just give it a taste. And if not uh, move on to something else. And, and it has, it has, still has the, the big hitters, like every gears of war game, every halo game, uh, Minecraft, all those are just going to be there forever. Right. Cause they're run by Microsoft. So I think, I think halo five, cause the master chief collections on there. I'm not sure if Halo 5 was actually on there or you had to actually buy that. I'm, I'm it, not sure. It, I, I know that one specifically because I bought Halo 5 uh, and then got mad at it and sold it back. <laughs> and I've been debating <laughs> reinstalling Halo 5 for oh, okay. whatever reason. So, yeah. Well, the other it situation is, was before Game Pass hit, like, you know, when I still had to get a couple of games on the Xbox, I'm like, all right, I'll buy the Sea of Thieves. And then later, like, Sea of Thieves is like the flagship uh, Game Pass title. I'm like, damn it, I already paid for it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then, of course, the other thing, too, is uh, once, you know, your subscription runs out, you lose access to all of these again also. They don't, like, stay on your system because you've, like, downloaded them to play on Game Pass. Right. I mean, I, mean, I, will, I will say that um, if you're on Game Pass, you get uh, anywhere between, like, a 10 and 40 or 50% discount on the games that are on Game Pass. So when they are going away, you do have a chance to buy them at a discount. But it... It feels kind of weird to have paid a monthly subscription for something and then later buy it for 30 bucks, you know? Yeah, that's what I wanted to check in about. Like it's so it's not so much Netflix as there as it is, well maybe with Netflix originals, but I'm thinking more like Disney Plus. Like you're paying a subscription, but when something new comes out, you still have to pay additional for it? Is that right? Uh no, not for this. Uh that that's only if you want to keep it in prevention of if it leaves Game Pass. Ah, I so, see. I so see. Okay. When, when so the you, latest so you Pay your subscription, you play whatever's on there, but if they tell you it's not going to be available, then you can pay more to keep it forever. Yes. yes. At like a slightly reduced rate. Um, so yeah, you saw like 30% discount or something like that. And so it, it's similar to like the Xbox uh, Live Gold, where like you could download two free games every month or so, or four now. Um, but once the subscription laps, that game's like, you can't access it anymore. Mm-hmm. And and uh, honestly, like I think what's interesting to me is is... Uh, I like I said earlier, I have an Xbox One. Uh, for a long time, I was the only person I knew that had one, uh, and I, <laughs> I, and I worked. At, I worked at a video game company, man. Like that's how that's how lonely it was. Um, <laughs> and and I jumped on the the Game Pass thing pretty early. And and at, at the beginning, it was interesting because it, w- it was mostly Microsoft titles and then like indie games. 
Um, mm. And and the Microsoft titles that were there weren't super hot. Like they were, although super hot, the game was on there. But like um, <laughs> uh, the like the Master Chief Collection was still kind of like coming together. Um, Crackdown 3 was on there and that wasn't getting great reviews. So it just seemed to me like, oh, this is a cheap way for me to play a bunch of indie games, right? And it's amazing how that's changed over the past two years where now it's like, man, some of my favorite games of the past generation or so, like Doom Eternal, the Dishonored games, um, you know, uh, and, and ones that aren't necessarily my favorite, but that you can spend a lot of time on, like Fallout, like those are now going to be there forever. Mm. Um, and, and they bought like Obsidian and Double Fine and In Exile, like all these studios that make really quirky and interesting games. Um, so I don't know. It, it's just funny how it's changed now. Now I'm looking to Game Pass for those big games, like those that are going to eat up like my life, my whole like winter, uh, as opposed to just like, oh, yeah, I'll try out this weird pinball game. Yes, and that's what's got me finally interested in the subscription. Like, I already knew there was a bunch of stuff on there, but now Blizzard stuff is going to be on there? Like, yeah, they haven't really made anything new for a while, but like, they got their back catalog is phenomenal. So you can like, and, fi- finally play Lost Vikings and HD, I guess, <laughs> on the big screen. Listen, I don't want to out myself too much on this <laughs> podcast, but I have probably paid Lost Vikings illegally a lot more often than I have legally. <laughs> yeah, the, the illicit thrill of, of Lost Vikings. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. The thing that really interests me, see, in my case, I don't have an Xbox One or a series or a whatever. Mm-hmm. I, I, I have honestly lost track of what the newest one is called. Mm. But I do have a pretty slick PC. It is, it, is, it is definitely a gaming rig. And it seems like a lot of these titles, like what I used to consider Xbox games, are now also PC games. And there is a PC Game Pass. And if I understand correctly, it's not exactly the same library as Xbox Game Pass. But I mean, the big, the big example is Halo Infinite. You know, the mm-hmm. new Halo came out at Christmas. It simultaneously released on Xbox and PC. That's making me think, well, if I just get this Game Pass thing from Microsoft, will I ever need an Xbox? I mean, I, uh, no. As, as someone that's owned an Xbox One for a long time, no, you still don't need one. Um, but I think I think what's what's interesting about that too, and and this is I'm going to tie it back into that thing I was saying about how um, a lot of the moves that Microsoft has done, like in 2015, 2016, when they launched the Xbox One, um, they owned Rare, uh, so they had Banjo Kazooie and I guess Battletoads, um, but they weren't Killer Instinct. Much, uh, yeah, Killer Instinct, which which they kind of half heartedly launched and then handed off to like I think three or four different studios in in fewer than two years. Um, yeah, yeah, and guess guess who bought Killer Instinct for the Xbox One? Me. Um, <laughs> I bought it on Steam. So it was, it's, <laughs> it's a pretty good game. It's a pretty good game, but no one's playing it um, except me. So, but like I think. Um, I think it's just it's speaking to their strategy too. So um, before it was like we want you to buy this box called the Xbox One, and now it's like, hey, actually we don't care if you even buy the hardware. Like if you're paying for the subscription, that's what we really want. We want that recurrent fifteen bucks a month, uh, or or in some cases like one dollar a month for the first nine months and that whole trap, right? So I think it's interesting that that you talk about how the names don't make sense, or do I even need to buy an Xbox? And I think that's that's kind of what they're going for. Yeah, I think the Xbox is being rebranded kind of to be their just gaming experience. You know, my my Windows 10 comes I, I think I think they all do comes with a Microsoft Xbox game bar. Oh yeah. If I if you're listening to this on a PC, press Windows G on your computer right now. You'll be surprised at what comes up. I mean, when when like I'm my... just when I'm just typing away on my computer, I get updates on who got achievements. So <laughs> <laughs> In real time, but like I haven't, like I haven't signed into Microsoft anything since 360. But I press Windows G, and there's the profile picture I picked when I was 20 years old. And here's the list of friends. I can see that Chasmin is playing Destiny 2 right now. Like it's it's <laughs> built in, but somehow it doesn't have. I guess they're still in transition. It just seems interesting to me. Like I see them as wanting to get out of the hardware business entirely. I wonder if they kind of regret ever getting into it in the first place. I remember thinking it was weird when they did it. Uh, but the future of Microsoft looks like it looks like the Xbox console is going away, and it's just going to be Xbox games on your computer. And that's weird for me to think about. 
Well, uh, it's interesting too when because you talk about when the Xbox, the very first Xbox, came out in like two thousand one. It was a super weird move, right? And and what was interesting about it was that it pushed um, more so, or it happened at a time when like video game companies, um, if you made a version of the game, you'd have to make it for that platform. Like you couldn't necessarily mm-hmm. make a game for the Saturn and then also have the same thing run on the PlayStation. Um, you know, um, and and with the Xbox in there, it suddenly became. Uh, it, the games were more expensive because they had to look as good as Fusion Frenzy, um, and <laughs> uh, and and also like in order to make your money back, you had to sell it on PS2 and GameCube and Xbox at the same time. So I, I feel like Xbox kind of made this issue where like slowly they've been eroding the usefulness of an exclusive because nobody can really make money from an exclusive anymore, um, and and largely PlayStation did it to to juice their hardware sales, right? So you would buy the the box that has Uncharted or has Spider-Man on it uh, or Bloodborne on it, right? Um, to, to get you into that ecosystem. But now I think Microsoft kind of found an out, right? Like uh, they're, they're no longer investing in like making a Halo sequel in time to, to launch with their Xbox. They're just hoping that like, yeah, actually we can hook you like Netflix. Like as soon as you have spare time, you're going to boot up Game Pass and, and see what's up. And uh, they have actually also been adding the cloud playability of their game. So you don't even have to download it anymore. So certain titles you just like play over the web like you're streaming it. Right. So you don't need a $6,000 gaming PC. Like as long as you have a good internet connection, some other computer does the rendering and you just play the results. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's that's what I was going to ask about. Like what, what are the games that you can do that with? Could you – is there a limit to what you can do with that? Um, I mean I think it's, it's, it's very limited based on like how fast your internet connection is. Um, how close you are to a data center that Microsoft runs, and and it is only a few games, right, Shaggy? I've I've actually not tried Microsoft's. I haven't. I've, I've been. Yeah, I haven't tried it yet myself just yet. But I know they're showing off that it's not even like you. You could do it on your phone because you're literally like streaming a video, right? Mm-hmm. So if you just like, uh, it, yeah, we we figured out you can connect your controllers to your phone too with the Bluetooth, right? So you could just mount your phone on your table, uh, stream a three three sixty or Xbox One X. Series S, whatever, right to your phone, <laughs> and then just like play it uh, at the kitchen table. Yeah, which which makes me makes me think about like the fears that like oh, Call of Duty or or World of Warcraft or Diablo Four are going to be like Microsoft only. I mean that that might be true, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to have to buy an Xbox or even have to be running Windows, right? Like it's, as long it's as you're possible. paying for Game Pass, exactly. So, so long as key. you're yeah, so long as you're paying rent, uh, you have access to these games, right? So <laughs> now to be clear for folks at home the empirical evidence is that streaming stuff the cloud stuff is not great yet just ask google stadia um but microsoft is experimenting with it and nintendo is experimenting with it right now actually because the switch is definitely lagging behind its uh, competition in terms of hardware but they get games like hitman or doom eternal uh running using their cloud service and the the general response is that yeah it's still not perfect but oftentimes it's playable enough. Supposedly that people say like single player adventures. Yes. But like shooters, fighting games, anything that requires that like pixel perfect timing, uh, those will be, you know, a little more work to put into. Yeah. Nobody's playing 64 versus 64 rounds of what's that game? Not for honor, but one of the medieval games is doing that. Uh, no one's no one's doing that. No one's connecting 120 people over a streamed game. <laughs> <laughs> but the the basics of it is there. Mm. Yeah, and I, and I think I think that um, ultimately you can get to the point where uh, again, part of the reason that they do this isn't necessarily because uh, people like you and I who play and buy lots of games, um, maybe buy more than we play, um, uh, are are they want us to spend more money or, or keep up a Game Pass subscription? It's more for people that don't have an Xbox or a PlayStation, but might have like a smart TV or a laptop that, that go like, oh, uh, I heard that uh, you know Madden is is part of Game Pass now, which I believe it is. So you can just jump in and start streaming a game of Madden and play with your friends. So really, it, it broadens the pool in such a way that it isn't necessarily. Um, uh, doing it by making the game simpler or easier or or more friendly to people who haven't played games. It's just literally taking away some of the expensive hardware and the waiting necessary to play them. Mm. So, Yeah, and that's a, another thing I think that doesn't get considered often enough in that is the accessibility of it. 
like there is there is no way my mother is going to learn to use a twin stick controller. But if there's a game that she's interested in that she can play on her phone or on an iPad or something like that, like she's got that down, you know? <laughs> so you think like there are untapped markets out there of people who are still intimidated by, you know, that big Nintendo in the living room. <laughs> to, <laughs> to use early 90s boomer parlance um making it so easy and accessible in so many different places allows you to reach out to people like the sort of the same way the Wii they very deliberately made their thing look like a tv remote mm-hmm. like just to appeal to the people who need that extra bit of help to break into a admittedly very weird culture and and the and think also about like netflix right like i remember having to come down and help my dad figure out menus on like a blu-ray right not not because they're complicated but because it's like all the menus are weird and you have to figure out what how the buttons map to this blu-ray player and etc um i never had to do that with netflix netflix is just designed where you just like you point at it and you hit play and then you watch two minutes of it and go like i'm not in the mood for kimmy and then you go back and you hit play on something else right like and so i think that's that's kind of the ideal that microsoft has in mind is that um it it, it even doesn't matter if it's exclusive like you might still be able to uh, buy Call of Duty for the PlayStation 5. Um, you might They might give up on Call of Duty and make it all free to play, but if it's already in this interface and this thing that you're already paying for and it's instant and easy and you can carry your game from the Xbox to your Switch uh, to your laptop, then then yeah, you're going to keep paying 15 bucks a month and they'll monopolize your time. Man. I am in my hand right now holding a promotional Xbox Game Pass Ultimate redeem code for 14 days free. (laughs) And those of you who grew up in the late 80s, early 90s probably remember the D.A.R.E. program at school. (laughs) Where they told you that at some point in your life, somebody at a party was going to offer you a hit of their marijuana. (laughs) And it may seem cool. But once you take that first hit, it's going to take over your life and your brains are going to look like eggs smashed in with a frying pan. <laughs> this sounds like an Xbox ad from 2003. But <laughs> and I'm kind of like I'm worried I'm glimpsing into my future and I don't know if it's good or bad. One more thing I want to hit. I mean, at least we could probably go on about this for a while. The one word we haven't brought up that's the buzzword floating around this deal and around all the gamer blogs that I think you can already tell from my tone, I think is utter horse hockey. <laughs> but a lot of people are talking about how this deal is going to affect the coming metaverse. <sighs> Which, <laughs> how do you describe the metaverse? It's difficult because there are two types of people in the world right now. There are people who will admit that they don't know what the metaverse is and there are liars um well wait okay let me just my understanding is like facebook was like all right we're creating this metaverse thing and my reaction was like why and then i stopped caring and now (laughs) more and more things seem to want me to be aware of what the metaverse is is it is it that all it is is it just facebook's next thing it is Facebook, which is now, what are they called? Meta companies, whatever they change their name to, to try to dodge a bunch of scams and lawsuits. They're purporting, like the same way, remember when people use the word cyberspace to talk about the internet, to talk about like, as a, it's going to be a vast, super techno computer world where you can, you know, buy things. And pay. Like most of those things came true, but they, they just use that word as an envelope. Mm. This is that, but all while wearing a Facebook Oculus VR helmet. They're purporting a world where the new internet is going to be like a fully interactive VR or AR experience. And everybody's going to have their like their hollow lenses on at all times. And spokespeople for companies like Microsoft and Microsoft Gaming specifically, and then people who run tech and gaming blogs offer various levels of excitement about like what the future is going to be like in this virtual reality, augmented reality landscape. I think that that's just blowing smoke. I can tell Graham, you feel the same way. Lucas Shaggy, have you guys even like dipped your toes in this at all? See, I I remember fondly PlayStation home. And I don't know if any of you guys ever spent time building a building a sofa fort in your 
and your nice apartment <laughs> above the ocean that looks kind of like San Francisco. But that that feels like it had all the same promises because it's like you can leave your apartment, go down to town square, dance, go bowling, go meet Nathan Drake. It's awesome here in PlayStation Home, and <laughs> and it, then it ended and and people wanted back. There's like an underground community trying to bring back <laughs> a pirated like secret version of PlayStation Home, the Resistance or whichever. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's like that, that was kind of like my only experience of dipping into that type of Man. world. Because the only other example everyone keeps talking about is like Second Life or VR Chat, and it just seems to be like uh, intended to be like a mass market version of that, where you'd actually, you know, like the demos show, you'd take a shopping cart into Walmart and grab VR bottles and drop them into your cart or something. Right. I, I mean, I think I think that um, when you hear metaverse, um, consider which audience is speaking and then to whom they're speaking. Right. So I think in terms of the Microsoft Activision merger. Um, Metaverse has come up when um, the Microsoft CEO, uh, Satya Nadella, I believe, said, said like, oh, and this will help Microsoft strengthen its Metaverse offering or something. And, and that's like, um, that's speaking to investors, right? Like um, the, the Metaverse is, um, like you pointed out, it's a distraction uh, put up by Facebook to, to keep, uh, to distract people away from all of its uh, very pernicious and, and frightening consequences. Um, but also it's, it's the promise of a new frontier. Like if I said, Hey, we're going to make up a whole new universe where, um, if you invest now you can buy property and people will buy and sell from you. Um, everyone with, uh, with any sort of capitalist mindset is going to be heck. Yeah. uh, All right. Like virtual infinite territory for me to own and then charge rent on. This is a great investment opportunity. And so I think that um, when they talked about it in terms of this merger, that's really what they were doing, is that they were kind of sending signals to um, you know, the audience of investors and shareholders to try to make them excited about this thing uh, in terms that, weren't, that were tied more to like, hey, future profits than they were necessarily to like Call of Duty and PlayStation. I mean, I would agree with you, but it, it does run down. I mean, like Phil Spencer is a big proponent of Metaverse, and he's Mr. Xbox Gaming. Like, not just Microsoft. He's saying specifically for video games. He goes on about, like, you know, how with avatars and virtual worlds and the, like, you know, like the, like the fake but actually real economies that show up in things like Diablo 3's auction house. Now, you, like, now which, he is which a, collapsed, by the way. Which, which collapsed completely. Yeah. We did cover that, yeah. yeah, I, yeah. I don't think anyone listening to the to this this podcast is, is confused. We all think this is mostly fake this is mostly smoke and otherwise a bad idea but they're just all it seems like a lot of people very tied to this are all in on it and maybe you're right lucas i mean just because he's the head of of microsoft gaming doesn't mean he's any less of a business guy than the head of microsoft but it does seem like they're trying to sell metaverse to gamers and Shaggy, I hadn't even thought of PlayStation Home, but you're exactly right. That's exactly <laughs> I'm always trying to bring was. people back to PlayStation <laughs> Home. Man. You're, you're, you're like the guy from The Giver. You just have this ancient memory. Like, <laughs> remember tobogganing and color? Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> and PlayStation Home. That's, that's an excellent poll. Um, no, but like, the... The ultimate example for me, I think, of PlayStation Home, the first time I started it up, I made my character, mm-hmm. and they're like, oh, go here for virtual bowling. And I said, all right, I like bowling video games. And I went like, oh, sorry, all the lanes are full. <laughs> well, awesome. Yeah, you have to rent out that space. You got to I said, excuse me? <laughs> In this digital fake world, there aren't enough lanes? Like, why are they, why is there a finite number of lanes? And I, and then I don't think I ever got a great answer for that. And I turned it off. <laughs> I seem to remember trying it out when I first got the, the PlayStation that had that on it. I can't even remember. It was at three or four. Anyway, I tried it out and I was like, why am I wasting time with this? I want to play the actual PlayStation games I bought this for. And that was like the last time I ever interacted with it. And that's like, I have even less interest in the metaverse than I did with that. I mean, I think, I think also, uh, you know, the, the, the people that are the wildest proponents of it, uh, you, you, there's, there's a atmosphere of, um, excitement over, uh, imposing ownership and exclusivity and, and generating profits, uh, 
from things that are totally virtual. Like this is this comes uh, hand in glove with the the fanaticism around uh, NFTs and crypto and etc. And I think I think uh, ultimately it's it's people recognizing that there that there might be a new frontier in which to make money um, because Fortnite is big and people are spending money with clothes there. So what if everybody spent uh, every video conference that they're in now, but they could you know pay to dress like Darth Vader? Right, like, would, wouldn't we make millions? And it's like, yeah, maybe you would, but I think it's it's kind of like PlayStation Home. It's it's an idea that makes sense in in the minds of people that see profits, but not necessarily in the minds and lives of people that have to interact with this. Like, uh, PlayStation Home having limited lanes. What? Why am I playing this? Like, I play video <laughs> games to have fun. Like, uh, like if I'm playing a bowling game, I want to play in in the Wii bowling thing with infinite lanes, uh, where you know. I've made my face look like something very lewd, uh, and and I don't have to get up off the couch, right? Like so, so uh, I, like I to know. be to be clear, if you're playing Wii bowling and you're not standing up and like doing the bowling thing, you're kind of a tool. I think that's an official <laughs> statement that Geek Top Five can make because oh, I'm, I'm I'm a way better bowler when I'm lying down doing damage to my spine, <laughs> barely moving my wrist. I just want to make sure that's on record. Because, yeah, yeah. <laughs> We had a lot of fun with Wii Bowling back in the day. You are like, anyway, and that's just, obviously that's something personally important to me. I didn't mean to knock you off track. No, no, that's fine. It's, and so like, I think that, um, uh, I think that there's the metaverse and NFTs and crypto are all part of this seeking new frontiers and new ways of generating profits, especially now that so many people are working from home and working through screens. And so much of your time is already monopolized by large digital services like Netflix, Disney Plus and Game Pass. Right. So let, let's find a way to get people fully invested in here and making all the and buying all the makeup they're not buying because they wear masks for their avatar mm-hmm. Uh, and stuff like that. So uh, I'm not I'm not so concerned about about it. I, I think that right now it's just investors talking to investors. Um, but but hey, who knows? I mean, let's be clear: those investors talking to other investors just closed a deal for a payout of sixty eight point seven billion dollars. It seems like they're doing something right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, that's uh, or or. Or they just happen to be the people in control of the numbers, so they can make it say whatever they want. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. Uh, as soon as I see Xbox Home, then, then call me back. I'll change my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, yeah, I think we can. Uh, I think we can bring that to a close. There is a lot to consider about this, but at the end of the day, the kind of people who are listening to this show, the kind of people like myself and Graham, and I suspect like you, Lucas and Shaggy. The biggest takeaway is still just the incredible umbrella this casts over gaming. The same company now controls Halo, Gears of War, MechWarrior, Fable, Killer Instinct, Warcraft, Skylanders, Hearthstone, Prototype, Doom, Quake, Wolfenstein. We could keep going. A lot, a lot of stuff in one place. Now, the deal isn't expected to close for a while, and I suspect there's going to be some antitrust investigations because this is a monopoly if we've ever heard one. Mm. Has that ever stopped anyone? No, not really. But, it, <laughs> you know, it would be nice. But it looks like the future, uh, the future of gaming may revolve very heavily around Microsoft and their Game Pass. So uh, if you're a gamer, important to keep your eyes and ears open around that. Until then, Lucas, Shaggy, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate having that extra perspective, and it is always a blast to, to hang out with you guys. Thank you again for having me on for a topic I have no authority on whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, likewise, yeah, it's, uh, it's nice. <laughs> right, listen, if I had to pick between having you or Phil Spencer on the show, I would pick you nine times out of ten. <sighs> I don't know if that's a compliment, but all right. <laughs> <laughs> While we're giving out thanks, uh, we also want to extend our deepest thanks to Oliver Wickham, the guy behind our theme song. Uh, he is a music producer and has a ton of cool stuff on Spotify. Please give him a listen. You won't regret it. And also, of course, want to say thanks to you, the listeners, to the people who tune in, the people who are part of the community, the people who just need us to make their morning drive a little bit more interesting. Um, we, we, we love doing this, and you make it all possible. If there's other stuff we missed, if you had other thoughts about 
about the merger, if there are other cool games we didn't think of that either were sad or controlled by Microsoft or happy because maybe they'll come back again. Um, we love to have those conversations. So please let us know questions, comments, concerns. Graham, how can they get those to us? Please email us at geektop5 at gmail.com. We're on Facebook, facebook.com slash geektop5. We are on Twitter at geektop5. And you can always go to our website, geektop5.com, and leave a comment on the message boards and comment threads that we have under every episode. And please go to your podcatcher of choice and rate and review us. Those ratings and reviews, by the way, huge help to us, both in terms of just the praise that we desperately crave, but also that it gives us an idea of where the podcast is being listened to and how and helps us improve it. Be better for us and better for you. That kind of feedback, we'd really appreciate it. And it helps you as much as it helps us. In the meantime, I just this list is insane and expansive. Everything we mentioned before, everything we mentioned in our previous episode, Overwatch, Age of Empires, Rise of Nations, State of Decay, like half the video games out there you can play. They're going to fall under this umbrella. That is way, way more than enough to keep you busy until we get a chance to do this again. Until then, I'm Jesse. I'm Graham. And this has been Geek Top 5, and we'll talk to you again next week.